Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. My name is Cameron Tuttle. I'm joined today by Isaac Ransom, as always. Isaac, how are you doing? You know, I just did that off the top of my head, so I hope you're pretty impressed with me. I'm very impressed. And you know what? My day's better because I'm I'm just surprised on how far you've come as my child. You know, <laughs> even though you're the expert, um, it, the podcast scene, we, we, we're, we're co-workers in this. So it's true, yeah. I, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm doing all right. I'm a little sniffly right now. Um, honestly, like little, little weird about this show. I don't know what it was, but this movie gave me like no inspiration to talk about anything. So, uh, I'm, I'm very curious to hear why we've watched this, but overall the week's been going well, just juggling work and the same old continuation of 2020, just dragging on into a new year, trying to get out of the funk, just like everyone else. So how about you, man? How's life for you? Um, it's going all right. Pretty good. Um, I just got back from work today, so I'm a little bit tired. I like actually had to go into work, which is, you know, different from what I have been doing. But yeah, it's it's been all right. Um, today was was pretty slow, so you'd think for a Saturday it'd be a little busier, but nope, it was pretty slow. So just hung out and did my thing. Other than that, I I haven't really been watching all that much. I started Hitman Three. Um, on the computer, I've been, I've been playing PC games since my PS4 has died. Uh, but yeah, so Hitman Three, very very good. I don't know if you have heard anything about it, Isaac. I've only heard good things. I mean, I I enjoy sandbox games. I feel like that's like what makes a video game so different and unique compared to an experience like a movie. I mean, they're both forms of entertainment, but like the sandbox elements just make it feel like you have so much control and there's just excitement. There's energy around it. It feels, it honestly brings me back to when I'm a kid sort of like playing with your toys, you know, cause you're like, yeah. I could do anything right. Like it's really all up in the air. So yeah. yeah in some no, ways I, those are my favorite video games where they kind of give you a, t- uh, you know, a set of tools um, to use and, and you go about the problem, you know, solving the problem in any number of ways because of those tools I like linearity in in games too, but I think for me, the most enjoyment I get out of things is figuring out the way to go about uh, solving the problems that the the developers have put up in a way that's kind of unique in my own. That's always my favorite. So, well, that's great. Yeah, I've been I've I've wanted to try it out. I don't know if I'm going to pick it up for full price. And a lot of my gaming has sort of been put on pause currently. I don't just I don't know. Like, I just feel like I've been waiting for a PS5. I've not been able to find one. So yeah. that's a that's a different conversation outside of movies. But um, yeah, that's that's a struggle in and of itself. If you're excited about that sort of console console gaming enthusiast, Cameron and I are console gaming enthusiasts. So yeah, uh, I've been watching a couple different movies. There was a movie that was on the tip of my tongue last week that I wanted to mention. It's called The Town with. Um, Ben Affleck and mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner. Is that right? I uh, know it's I Ben think, Affleck. I, yeah. yeah, it's Jeremy Renner. Yep. So, um, yeah, the movie was interesting, like kind of a cool bank heist film that tries to focus on a guy that wants to get out of life. I'd say it's probably a little generic, but I enjoyed some of the like direction. There's definitely like this, this character in the setting of the film because it's called the town. So it's based on uh, Charlestown, um, which is on the East coast. And yeah, like, so, so it's cool to see like robbers running around with masks and these old, like ancient buildings that are like from, you know, the colonial days still standing as they're running around. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and then, I really haven't been watching much else, honestly. Like, it's it's been weird. Like, I've been trying to watch movies. It was hard for me to even find time to watch this film uh, this week. So, yeah, but I got through it, and I'm quite curious on why we're watching this, Cameron. Yeah. Well, so you on... had nothing else that you really watched? Uh, no. Yeah, I don't think I watched anything this week. Uh, I'm trying to trying to think. I don't even remember my week this this week. Yeah, I think just this. And then 
yeah, just this. So I haven't been. You like picking... my uh, abnormally large water bottle? It's that I got ginormous. Right here? I I saw that earlier. I was <laughs> like, wow, this is this is like when uh, in in high school the like football players would come into class with like the giant jugs of water. You know what I'm talking about? Well, so I just have this tendency, and people always think I'm talking about alcohol or something, but I'm like, I just drink so easily. Like I don't yes. even know what it is, but it's if it's in front of me. I drink it and it's it's not related to going out and drinking. It's just that so like any water bottle that I get, I just spend so much time filling up. So I saw this at Target, it was on sale for like twelve bucks and I was like, Hey, sixty four ounces, let me see if I could do that. You know, thirty two was too small. I had a thirty two water bottle and I was like the only issue is that I use the bathroom all the time and we were having some technical issues before the show and so I'm glad I got up because man, I had to pee super bad. Mm, but yeah, we would have had to pause. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely fueling up. We'll see if we'll do any pauses during <laughs> during this one. <laughs> yeah, you're like the 64 ounces. It 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 quenches my thirst, but also I really have to pee. So, <laughs> yeah. well, this show is not about water bottles. It's about movies. You're listening to Cinema Spectator. Um, yes, you can support us at Patreon.com/slash/ECFSProductions. Get an exclusive commentary track each month for just a dollar also have the ability to read your questions on air as we go throughout the show and vote on movies that we watch in the coming months so we do a patreon led or chosen episode each month again patreon.com slash ecfs productions if you want to check that out patrons write in questions you guys don't write it you never dm us our patrons always reach out to us on other like means and i'm like guys if you want like a, your question right on the air like just don't talk to me in real life. Just message me there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of them are um, friends. So yeah, yeah. Uh, write us in questions if you're a Patreon. If you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. Just tell friends and family. Give us a rating on iTunes. That is a huge help to fight the algorithm. Get us up there on the charts. Give us a rating. Five stars. Write a fun review. Sometimes we'll read the reviews. We appreciate all of you that are listening. Today's movie, I think, needs some introduction, Cameron, because this one... You told me to watch it. It was nothing what I expected, I guess, because it. I, do, I still don't even understand the title. It's called The 400 Blows. French cinema. We're doing French February. Give us a little context here, Cameron. Yeah, so this is the technical, the, the first film in the French New Wave, the canon of French cinema. Um, it came out in 1959, so a year before Godard made Breathless. So it is pretty much the precursor. I mean, they were the two filmmakers who started the French New Wave, who kind of kicked off the the um, reintroduction of artistic cinema into French culture. And I think one of the reasons why I want to talk about this film in particular is, one, because I actually really enjoy it. Um, it's it's a much better film than, than Breathless, definitely. Uh, it's a much more enjoyable film to watch. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I think Truffaut has a lot more to say, like actually to say about film than, than someone like Godard does. And I, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of perspective in terms of Truffaut and the other side of the French new wave. Cause we really, you know, we started this, this podcast talking about breathless, talking about sort of how dumb and how bland and maybe even how nonsensical a movie like breathless is when you know that's kind of the 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 flip side of the coin to to the new wave there's a lot of pretentious things and there's a lot of um terrible things and i think in this movie and we'll talk about it obviously because i think you know this movie is effective in in a lot of particular ways uh, that that I'd like to go into but this movie is definitely a, a, a lot more personal at least uh, than than something like breathless um, just for the audience listening you know I'm a casual I barely remember what French new wave means let alone do I want to know what French new wave means but um, Cameron just go ahead and define that for us yeah so the French new wave was um, essentially it was a, a an era in filmmaking um, in French cinema where New, young, sort of hip directors started coming out with films that were low budget, um, that were very uh, director 
focused in a lot of ways um, that were gorilla style. They were kind of the small, slim, um, not bloated movies of this era. And so it's compared a lot to what happened in the 70s um, with people like uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, with people like George Lucas. So the new Hollywood, the new young Hollywood, basically, um, is kind of seen as a reflection of what happened in France in the 1960s. Um, if that kind of gives you a, a short summary of of the ideas. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And because I think a lot of people know about some of the big directors that came out of the 70s, maybe like early 80s as well, it kind of makes sense. Are the French usually like ahead of the curve when it comes to like film? Well, the thing about France, and this is probably a good time, honestly, to go into sort of the historical um, aspect of, of where the French New Wave came from. Um, France, obviously, was an occupied country in World War II. A lot of the things that happen in film really sort of mirror what what's happening in society uh, around certain big moments. And so France, obviously, you know, they were occupied for, I think it was four years. Um, they were, they were pretty heavily, you know, re regulated under, under German occupation. And so not a lot of filmmaking happened, obviously, in that time. And then after that, they had a, a large American influence, um, as a lot of countries did after after World War II. So, you know, they were they were getting imported movies from the the 50s. They were getting a lot of Hitchcock. They were getting a lot of sort of the big budget, um, you know, the big budget historical movies that we were producing in the 50s. And a, a lot of that is also reflected in places like Japan, um, sort of in Germany, but uh, to a lesser extent. So that we were kind of exporting our movies in the fifties in the lead up to what would happen in the sixties. And so a lot of these guys and Truffaut specifically, he was really kind of offended by the, that the French directors in, in France. Um, and he wrote a, um, kind of a long diatribe, um, <laughs> in the journal called the Cahier du Cinema, which is sort of the leading academic French paper. Uh, we've talked about it before on this show. Um, I've, I, you know, it's something that we go back to kind of, kind of often in film history and film uh, criticism and analysis. And he wrote this, this sort of long, it's not that long. It's only like 15 pages. Um, but he wrote kind of a long article called a certain tendency of the French cinema. Um, and basically it was like ragging a lot on French directors saying basically they make, um, pretty much he was calling them out saying they make kind of garbage. Um, they make not, not even like passable American garbage. They make like really dumbed down pretty bad lazy movies with bad characters with bad writing um you know things that are kind of non-inventive so he he goes on sort of this a little bit of a tirade of like why aren't we making good f french movies essentially and this was written before the french new wave you know it was written in 1954 so he was kind of think of him as sort of a you know a film, you know, you, you've watched some of the video essays, right? We've talked about some of the video essays. Um, I think of these guys kind of like the video essayists, you know, who are really openly discussing film form and filmmaking of the time, who are kind of challenging the norms and challenging the um, the fundamentals of, of their country's, um, you know, sort of film legacy. And so what we saw in... Um, this time and what I, I kind of have predicted we would see um, in the future, maybe not now, but probably ho hopefully in the future is we saw these people who were writing about film in the in the mid 50s start to direct their own movies and start to implement some of those ideas from their analysis into their films. And so what I would hope happens and I'm not sure if it will, it might still happen, but what I would hope happens is maybe some of the the people who are writing you know video essays they start to make their own films of, of you know on their own i'm not sure if that will happen but that's kind of what 
that that was the historical trend that happened in the new wave. So, you know, that's kind of a context for the history of these directors. It's, you know, uh, not only did Truffaut write for the Caillou du Cinema, but so did Godard. And they were kind of the uh, they were the two large name contributors uh, to the to the paper, as well as a guy named Andre Bazin, um, who was uh, really really influential in in his theory of editing. But we don't have to get into him necessarily. Um, he's just another important name in terms of the French New Wave. So, um, does any of that make sense? Is, do I need to clarify any of that? I feel like I'm I'm teaching a lecture. <laughs> Yeah, I think just the one thing that I'm missing right now is who directed this movie and did they write for that paper that you were talking about? I know yeah, you yeah. probably said it. Francois Truffaut, um, you know, he directed this movie. He directed The 400 Blows and he wrote a certain tendency of the French cinema. Um, now, he was does, the guy. He, does he, um, like, did he write or create movies before he wrote? in the paper like no 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 so um you know he wrote in the paper in the 50s and then he started with his first this is his first movie the 400 blows um was in 1959 so he wrote this essay this really famous essay in 1954 all right just clarifying because like i don't know it's hard for me to follow all the french names it feels like i just kind of get lost in it so thank you for clarifying yeah yeah no problem yeah, so this is an interesting movie for being a first film. I, I really didn't know quite what to think about during this film, but I really I really liked what you said comparing it to Breathless. You said it's a much more intimate story, and I think it's structured in a way that's way more consumable, right? Totally. One of my favorite things to do on this podcast is watch the movie with my girlfriend Jules because she doesn't have an attention span or a commitment to do a podcast and talk about it as if they learned anything from these movies. <laughs> so it's really fun for her, for me to watch like her reaction and kind of bring that casual eye to these conversations. What I noticed with her when we were watching it is that she like, she totally understood what was going on, but she was kind of disinterested in what was happening. Right. And I can understand it, right? It's there's like the translation barrier. This this film is all in French, right? And just a little bit of context on the plot. It follows the story of a a young boy who is kind of in a rough school and a rough household situation and he's sort of not fitting in there and getting into trouble because of how much he dislikes those situations and it leads him uh into more paths of trouble and independence, right? And that's sort of what the the movie revolves around and so this movie is in black and white it is in french with subtitles it's in the criterion uh channel so that's how you know it's bougie you know um and i just i think all those things can be sort of a difficult turn off if there's like zero context like even if I knew that this movie was the first movie that this guy had made, I would maybe have a little bit more interest in watching it, but I walk in blind. Right. And so I'm sitting there, I'm watching it. And by the end, I'm literally just thinking to myself, okay. Like that's basically like what I thought. Right. I was just like, okay. You know, like there's nothing inherently bad and there's nothing super good 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 about it i think it's a pretty movie but i i just wasn't like invested you know like i think that was like the biggest thing i just did not feel invested in in the movie and i didn't really see where it was going and i felt like it didn't really go anywhere and then the ending dude like that was the most verbal reaction that i had in the movie, I started laughing, right? Because it's that, that, like, you know, weird zoom and then Finn and, you know, Juliana busts up laughing next to me. She's like, what the, what is that? You know, like, I just. Yeah, the zoom, the zoom is pretty bad, but I think yeah. the ending actually is, is quite good and quite um, moving in, in some ways. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, Talking about, I guess, investment in the movie, I think part of that has to do with um, 
you know, as you said, the there's the language barrier and the um, you know, as you put it, it's a, it's in black and white. Boo. Um, <laughs> well, come on, come on, Cameron. But the um, for me, the in some ways, I I have to just be like it. You kind of got to get over that. Like there's there's things that you're you're missing if you let those um, interrupt your um, your appreciation of a film. Uh, to to me, this movie um, is sp- well. One, it's interesting because you can tell even if you don't know much about Truffaut, you can tell that this is probably a in some ways a if not autobiographical, in some ways very influenced by his life. Um, just because of the specificity of the movie as well as the, um, you know, it's a bit of a, uh, it, like, you, like you said, it's intimate and it's also um, very sweet to all of the characters, even if it maybe shouldn't be. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, approaching this the situation in a way that feels like real life i guess um and and in some ways i think the best parts of the movie are are him um interacting with his parents in a way that is um both very somber about the relationship and also very like loving um towards towards each of the characters you know there's there's kind of moments and conversations that he has with both of them where you almost start to feel like there's a connection there. You know, you all, you almost start to feel like, like they're gonna, they're gonna break through in a way and then it doesn't happen. Um, and, and I think you can tell, um, maybe you do need context for this, I guess, but you can tell in, in my mind that this is something that like he's longing. The director is very much longing for, um, those relationships to be repaired, but has come to the conclusion that they're they're um, unrepairable. Um, and I th- I think there's there's some there's something very somber about that that idea. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of it has a lot of where where this movie is interesting has to do with. Um, the way that it looks at adolescence, um, the way that it looks like at, you know, you know, young adulthood, um, or the striving, I guess, for, for independence in a, in a certain way. Um, I think what maybe might hold someone like you or I back, um, just because we're, we're culturally a little bit outside of, you know, of that area is like, we don't necessarily have a, one-to-one connection with you know being in a french school in you know in the 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 50s um so yeah so i think i think there's some barriers in that um i would say though in some ways the the power of of film is also you know opening a door into another um maybe into another culture or opening a door into another um, person's life uh, in some ways. And I think this movie, you can very much tell that, that he's kind of portraying his, um, his youth as something that he's reflecting on, Um, which is why I don't think, I don't think the movie necessarily concludes because, and and it does narrative wise, it does, but I, I, I think what you're hitting on is the movie doesn't come to any any conclusions about what what it was shown um, because in some ways I think it's just a it's kind of a reflection of of what happened and like there's no conclusion on on him yet <laughs> you know like he hasn't he hasn't made up his mind about the things that happened in his youth um, he's kind of struggling to come to terms with th- some of the things that he that he did and some of the things that other people did to him as well. I um, think sort of what you're talking about with the narrative tying up, but maybe the point not really like coming across strong, it makes sense, but it left me with the feeling of like hanging out with an old friend. That's like super nostalgic. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah. And then remember how we would do this. I remember how we would do this. I remember how we would do this. 
and then it could just keep going. Like it just it wouldn't it didn't really ever need to end, right? And that like I had to pause for a second in this movie to go like get some food. 20 minutes left in the film. I came back with my food. We resume watching it. And those 20 I was like, "Oh, tw- only 20 minutes left to go." You know, like this is not that bad. And those 20 minutes like just kept going, dude. Like the last 20 minutes of the film they're like you're caught, you're being moved, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're, you know, and I'm just like, boy, it just keeps going. Like, what are we getting at here, people? You know, like, what is, what are we, where are we going with this, you know? Mm. And it's just sort of this open-ended reflection that left me feeling like, again, okay, like, so what, you know, like, so what? And, and I do agree with you. I think that there is some incredible, like, heartfelt, detail in the way that the characters are portrayed or the environments or the way he like all the acting is spot on you know his his Mm -hmm. relationship with his friend his relationship with his teacher his relationship with his parents you know kind of that swaying in and out of discipline and it's it's grounded you know and there's a love for his home too like in france i knew right away from the beginning i was rolling my eyes just because I don't know, like French stuff can be kind of irritating to me and they're just opening with the Eiffel Tower and like the love of the the city and I'm like, okay, like I just, I don't get it, but I can get the sentiment of like, you know, home, you know, like the city, like this is the yeah. place. Like if somebody did that for the Bay, like in San Francisco, like a great modern example, I think maybe for an American audience is the way that Nightcrawler begins, right? Where if you've spent any time in LA, Nightcrawler does all these different shots of like places you've been in LA and they're very like insignificant. Well, some of them are significant, right? But some of them are like, I know exactly where that is. And like, I've been there and most people wouldn't pick that out as a moment, you know? And I think there's a lot of that in this movie. Um, My shot of the film is this scene where, the boy and his friend are like kind of running on the loose, like with little bit of like Ferris Bueller's day off moments going on. They're running around and there's this like super long pan where it follows him running across, like kind of like this large overlook. And you see so much of France as it's panning across. And I just thought to myself, I was like, what an incredible time capsule like this Mm -hmm. shot is, you know, like that is like, france in this time period and you just got to see so much so slowly as this like boy walks across and that's just forever like material materialized and i was like whoa that i mean that is that's exciting now does it really change my feelings about the film that all those things are are good i don't know like i'm just i like i'm not i'm not always like how do i say this when I am invested in the film, that's like the icing on the cake, like all that good stuff that really elevates it to my investment. Whereas this movie, I felt like there's tons of icing on the cake, all this good stuff, right? But my personal investment, I guess, and maybe that's me just being subjective, but I was just like, I, di- I, didn't, I don't know what to get out of this. I don't know how what to feel. I just feel okay you know like (laughs) i don't i don't hate it i don't love it i don't know what i just there's there's cool stuff i whatever i don't know i don't ever think i could watch i mean i could watch it again i could watch it 20 more times and i could watch it zero more times and it would mean nothing to me you know like (laughs) i mean maybe it would mean something after the 20th time like i just hate this movie the 400 blows, the 400 or maybe, or maybe you love the movie after after 20 times. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think... Well, I, I would say for movies like this where the importance is in a lot of ways characters and the relationships between characters, um, some, sometimes you kind of do get invested more and more um, once you've spent a little bit of time with those, um, with those scenes. Um, you know, this is the second time I've watched it. I watched it when I was, um, much younger. Um, I, I think I was just getting out of high school when I first watched this. Um, so it wasn't a movie that I, uh, really appreciated back then or, or thought a lot about, uh, back then. Or maybe I watched it in high school, um, in one of my classes. Uh, 
it doesn't really matter. But, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't quite there on my my film journey yet. And I think, you know, we'll go into this a bit later, but I think this is definitely a movie that, you know, um, you kind of have to be invested in in sort of filmmaking to to be interested in. Um, but I think there's reward when you're when you're there, when you're at that level. Um, and, and I think for me coming revisiting it, one of the things that left me, um, I guess, a little bit uh, awestruck by the movie was how how effortlessly it was able to sort of um, sell you the characters um sell you the the experience of you know these just these two kids you know trying sneaking out and uh you know causing a little bit of mischief or you know when the mom you know is basically being like hey if you do really well on your paper like i'm going to give you give you a couple bucks or whatever you know like you know those those things that maybe would be trivial in a different movie I thought were really um, evocative of something, something underlying in 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 the rest of the film. Um, part of me was was really impressed by how how honest the the characters were, and how it even the teacher who's kind of a jerk and who kind of is like, you know, in it, maybe in a normal movie like this or or in an American movie, I guess. Um, a teacher like that would kind of be the butt of the joke in a lot of ways. And he'd be like, you know, he'd be the one where like, I don't know, the principal in, in Ferris Bueller's day off or something, you know, where he's, he's like, he's just the, the, un <laughs> the unrelenting, um, you know, jerk essentially. He's, he's the guy who is, who is unable to, um, <laughs> to get off his high horse essentially. But in this movie, I, I think there's kind of a very honest look at the, at the teacher who's kind of, yeah, he's mean. And yeah, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of unreasonable in a lot of ways. And, you know, he throws a, the eraser in the, in the beginning sh scene or whatever and, and other things like that. But he, the movie's kind of sympathetic towards him in some ways you know the movie is kind of like he's just a teacher trying to t trying to give you know tr trying to do his job essentially he's just he's just the guy who is you know stuck in a in a wrong situation and you know he's like he's like oh this class and you're like you're kind of like yeah this class kind of sucks <laughs> you know like like this class is kind of is kind of bad to him in some ways and also you know he gives that that one instant of being very um forgiving or a couple actually a couple instances of being very forgiving of of our main character and then obviously that comes crashing down as as sort of the 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 movie goes on but yeah in some ways you you're kind of you're kind of let in to a little bit of the the secret in this character is he's not that um, you know, he is, he is basically the biggest jerk in the movie, but he's also given these little moments of, of levity and, a and little moments of, of redemption. Um, and so is our main character. Obviously, I think he's the most well fleshed out and maybe him and the mom, I guess, or him and the dad. I don't know. Uh, but, but, you know, he's, he's certainly the, the character we focus the most on and the one we spend the most time with. And you are kind of given both sides of the coin. You know, you're kind of given the, you know, he is kind of a, a, a delinquent in a lot of ways. He is, he, he's not necessarily someone you should look up to if you're, if you're a kid watching this movie or, you know, something like that. Like he's someone who's kind of gone off the path, but also he is definitely given a rough hand at the beginning. And he's also treated really poorly by, by some of the people around him. Um, you know, he's, he's treated in a way where he, you could understand where a person like that comes from. Um, and 
the little moment of redemption that I think is very effective at the end is, you know, he he talks at one point in this movie about, uh, you know, wanting to see the beach. And that, that's kind of that's kind of his only want in the movie. Right. He he he's a character um, against a lot of convention in, you know, in uh what we do what you would think of in like normal storytelling right is your your characters should have wants they should have needs and they should have um obstacles essentially so well, yeah you, you, i mean i think he has more than just like wanting to see the beach like he i think the big thing he wants is independence right that's like the whole yeah so the but the beach is is kind of that's his um that's like the ultimate expression of his independence, basically. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so yes, of course, the beach doesn't just mean he wants to to go, sit, you know, sit on a towel or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, like lick the sand, you know. Yeah. He's Walk just, in the ocean with your shoes on. Come yeah. on, man. Like, <laughs> with what? Full, full clothes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Uh, of course, of course, it means a little bit, a little bit more than that. Um, you know, it's, it's the desire to not be weighed upon i guess by his um by the people who kind of treat him poorly who he who he he's forced to stay around um and in some ways like like i think it's really effective in in how it um goes about portraying those things like like if you if you were if this was a little bit less subtle of a movie and and kind of more uh rudimentary you know you could see i guess uh, honestly like uh, a movie like Lady Bird is kind of the same movie, uh, basically, um, mm. in a lot of ways. Um, the, uh, Lady Bird is kind of a remake of this movie now that I'm thinking about it. But, um, you know, you think about a, a movie like Lady Bird where um, her desire is to is to kind of not be put upon by the people around her. Um, and in some ways she you know at the end of the movie she she gets what she wants but she also feels that sort of loss um of of how that you know how that happens um and and this movie doesn't really uh go into that um it's a it's a much more ambiguous ending um you know i think i think ladybird one of the strange things about it is that last that last like fifteen minutes, I guess spoilers <laughs> now for Lady Bird. Yeah, because um, it's it's kind of. Have you seen it? Yeah, that's actually a excellent comparison. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so like that. The last fifteen minutes are a little bit over the top in in my, um, you know, in looking looking at it. Um. I really like the last uh the last like the f- finale the ending where she kind of comes out of the church and she's like, um had a moment of uh self-reflection i guess um but that last like lead up the the kind of denouement of the movie um is a little bit like okay you know she gets what does she get like alcohol poisoning or whatever you know like she gets i honestly like so when i when i watch this film like there's very little that i remember about it besides her hometown being extremely similar to this one town that i went to for a wedding um and i don't know why (laughs) yeah i yeah there was like this city or there there was like this town outside of sacramento area because it takes place in sacramento right yeah 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 there there was this town i went to that like visually i was i don't know sometimes i feel like i have weird dreams about that i I don't know anyway liminal spaces that's like a whole nother conversation (laughs) you know what i'm talking about Yeah, yeah okay um yeah but i really didn't I thought the movie was kind of obnoxious um, and sort of like, what's the point? Sort of sort of like this film, right? But the difference is that I think, you know, there's something more empathetic about the main character in The 400 Blows, whereas in Lady Bird, it's seen as like immaturity almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, like very like free spirit. Like I want to go. I, I, I can't relate with that. I've I guess I'm more of a square. I don't know. Like I just never had well, that that but, sort of energy. But the end of the movie made me actually like love it because it made like a statement. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And yeah. 
like that's what I wanted this movie to do. And I know I can't say that like like you can't tell movies like this like they need to be this or they need to be that and it doesn't need to be that. But like I just I feel like I would have connected with it because Ladybird I wasn't connecting with till the end. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know. It was like it brought it full circle. It had this little nuanced touch. It was it was trying to say something, you know? And this movie made me feel like I don't know, <laughs> you know, like that's just, and, and I'm sorry, like if yeah. I'm not at that level, I heard you say that earlier, right? You said like, this is a movie that you have to be ready for. You have to be committed to, and you just got to be at that level. And this is like why you and I wanted to do this podcast, because that is so much of a frustration to me as like a casual movie viewer, right? Despite all this like cinematography that I've been exposed to, uh, you know, like you're basically my guru training me, showing me all these different movies. Watching this film was not frustrating, right? I'm very meh about it, but it's disappointing to hear now that I still wasn't, I'm still not on that high level, (laughs) you know, like after all this, it's still going right over my head, you know, and with like a movie like Lady Bird, it didn't go over my head, maybe because it's not so subtle. Maybe that's like all I'm missing. Sure. It's like it's just not. It's not. It's I I don't know. But it, like on the opposite end, I've seen movies that are more subtle that I connect with earlier on. You know, like I'm invested in. Like at the beginning, maybe it's a stylistic thing. Maybe it's a. I, I really do think the fact that, and you said you have to get over this, Isaac, but it's black and white. It's in a different language. There are a lot of barriers for me to stylistically be like, I'm in it, you know, like I'm involved. I'll give it a free pass. There's nothing giving it a free pass besides besides the genuine heart behind a lot of the characters, I think. And that was the only thing that really made me feel like I could sit through this, you know, like that's basically what it was. I was like, this yeah. isn't, this is, this is not painful to watch. Like that's but, basically how it was. But that's, feeling that's where it. the, the nuggets of, um, of, uh, truth, I guess, come from, you know, the, the, the real like effectiveness of this movie comes from those, those characters and those relationships, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so like for me, that is, in a lot of ways, you know, it's it's almost like the opposite of of something like Lady Bird, uh, you know, with you, where it's like it's like the the character didn't connect to you, but the ending did, so you know, it kind of redeemed it. And I kind of felt the same way too. Um, but in a lot of ways, I think the relationships in Lady Bird and the characters in Lady Bird are just not very well fleshed out, um, and they're not like they're they're okay, but a lot of them are pretty. 101 pretty rudimentary yeah they're very Um, flat but it's done in a comedic style that was like at least entertain like you know i'll never forget that one character in that movie uh who's reading um howard zinn i think yeah yeah yeah. that guy i was like i was like this is like such a fun like one note woke like yeah you're like you're like yeah i know people like that exactly yeah Yeah. and Um, so like seeing things like that i was like those are those little little setting nugget thingies that I was like, at least I can laugh and get like enjoyment out of this moment, even if I'm somewhat irritated by the the driving conflict in, in the plot, which is just I'm right. a young girl fighting with my mom or something like yeah, that. I was yeah. like, whatever, but, but dude. The, the the thing I'll say about about this movie is instead of being sort of uh like meh characters, meh relationships, but good ending. Um, this is like the characters and the the relationships are really what you watch it for. Um, mm. It's not about necessarily where where things go because you know he's talking about his own life, you know. So like he doesn't he doesn't have a conclusion, um, and I think that's okay. You know, I think I think as long as and this is kind of a caveat, I guess, but like as long as the the characters are are kind of what's important in a movie like this, um, and, and if that's well done, it makes the movie worthwhile. And narratively, I think you're given a bit of closure in terms of of how things things end. You know, he's given this independence, he's given this freedom in some ways, um, 
but you can also see how there's going to be consequences to it. You know, you can you can see how there's there's going to be, you know, potentially something. You know, every time he he's given a little bit of freedom, the consequence is bigger and bigger in some ways, and so you can see that coming back. Um, but also, this is like him expressing the ultimate desire of of his you know of his independence. Um, so yeah, so I I think I think it's it's fair that this is kind of an am- ambiguous ending. It doesn't necessarily need a, a conclusion in my mind um, because it's a movie that has strong characters and strong relationships, and that's really what it's what it's about, honestly. So, yeah, I, I and even hearing you talk about it with more of a positive detail, right? I don't like disagree with anything you're saying. You know, like I'm, I'm like, yeah, I totally see that. I, I think there was just a resonating factor that maybe does take more viewings i just i don't i really don't know maybe it was the week getting down on me or something i i just i i enjoy uh, sometimes like when we have these conversations i enjoy the idea of the film more than actually (laughs) sitting and watching it you know especially some of these like high high class uh or, or i mean i don't know like Movies that are harder to chew on. That's what mm-hmm. I, how I'm, how I'm going to say it, right? I just, like, as you talked about it, you know, I guess a little bit of spoilers for it. It's kind of an older movie, so if you haven't seen it. But I, I feel like most people haven't heard of this, so. There's, there's an ending scene where he's running towards the symbolic representation of independence, right? Uh, the beach. And that scene is very long and almost kind of like scary and drawn out. And the kid is running and running and he's still running. And in my head, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, I like, I don't know what's coming right now reflecting on the movie. Right. But I'm like, boy, they're really making this kid like run. That's what I thought about. I was like, he's really running for a long time. They're not cutting. Like he's just going, you know, and he's really like starting to kind of, lose his breath a little bit and then to see like the symbolic conclusion oh now he's independent for this brief moment after this like scary escape and stuff i'm like i can because of your interpretation or or the way that you phrase it cameron i can be like yeah like i see i can see that stuff i wish i i wish i knew about it you know like i wish i i wish i was invested i wish i knew like something i feel like maybe if you've listened this far in the episode and you're kind of like, Oh, this sounds interesting. Like this is a time for you to like go and check this movie out and be like, Oh, I can really chew on those little, those, those bits. I think this movie, I've never heard of this movie in my life. So a little bit of exposure and context, like this could be a good, good one to get something out of, you know, I just, my emotional response to it was very, flat line like just not much going on cameron is there anything like you want to share about this movie like that you haven't shared so far because we're coming up here on an hour i know you haven't said your shot of the film yet yeah um i guess there's a couple things that i'll that i'll talk about in conclusion about the movie just just some minor points i guess um one is that the the uh, i know you said you're you were confused about the name um the name is kind of a botched translation in any case um it's a it's a phrase in french that basically means um like many pranks or many many steps along the road to um to delinquency in some ways um and so like it's it's like a it's it's like an idiom kind of. Uh, and mm. so like the 400 blows doesn't really make sense. Um, it's, it's not really a, a good translation. So if that clarifies anything for you, um, <laughs> it does. Can I actually ask you something? This is just, uh, maybe we're going to share this, but was this movie shot like in a gorilla style? Like were a lot of people in this movie without knowing they were in this movie? Um, this was not as gorilla as, as something like, um, like breathless. Um, 
obviously there's a lot more characters in this movie. Um, yeah. But they, they didn't have a big budget, obviously. And um, it wasn't a movie that was played a lot in theaters, although it did it did win um, in, you know, in Cannes. It won the whatever their main award is. Um, so, yeah. So it, it did do well critically. But uh, in terms of like guerrilla style filmmaking, I would say uh, sort of with the caveat that they like used, they used like sets and stuff like people's yeah. houses as sets, basically. Of um, course. They weren't just, like it, going into the street as much as, as something like breathless. Yeah. yeah. But there were moments I think where like the, the funny scene where all the kids are like ditching during the PE run. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like they're on top of some sort of roof filming down yeah. at them. Yeah. And I'm just thinking to myself, this looks like a regular street. Like I don't think anybody totally. knows like what's going on, you know? Yeah. So of course. Yeah. So yeah, stuff like that is kind of where you can tell. Although again, like as a more subtle movie and a more well-made movie, like those, those, it's not really where you, like he doesn't draw attention necessarily to those parts. Um, he kind of wants you to think that there's a little bit more of a budget than, than there is. And so like, yeah, for, for a moment like that, you're like, okay, I can tell where like, this wasn't really like, you didn't get a permit to shoot this or you didn't, you know, you didn't shut down the street or anything. There's a couple moments where like, he's running down the street with the, with the typewriter, you know, after he's still stolen the typewriter and people are like, kind of looking at him like weird, (laughs) you know? Um, but for the most part, he does a good job of being like, I guess like making it look like a pretty professional movie. Um, and yeah, so I, I think, I think he does a good job in that. Um, I did want to, uh, just go through a couple quotes from a certain tendency of the French cinema to kind of give his perspective on like where things were in France in, in the mid fifties. Um, <laughs> this one that I find, uh, really funny is it's kind of like the, the opener of, of the essay is, um, if the French cinema exists by means of about a hundred films a year, it is well understood that only 10 or 12 merit the attention of critics and cinephiles, the attention therefore of Kaye, the, the magazine. Um, so he's, he's saying like most of what we produce is like utter trash basically. Um, and there's another, um, so he, he was really influential and he talks a bit in this article, but goes, more into it in a later article. He was very influential in the idea of auteur cinema, um, which I've I've mentioned. Uh, Isaac, pop quiz, what is auteur cinema? <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking, like, I've heard him say it. I have no idea. I, can, I, I don't know. Yeah, so auteur cinema is basically the idea that uh, the director is the the person who, who, you know, the, the director is the one who, who has a direct vision over the film. He's the one who, who sets everything in motion and everything goes by him. The idea basically is he should be the art artist. Like he's the painter of, of the film, you know, it's not the guy who who makes the sound or the guy who makes, you know, who edits the movie, although that could be a contributing factor, you know, in the same way that like if you choose an oil um, paint versus, a you know, a, a different paint that will affect the end product. Uh, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the person painting. And that's that's what that's what they're really um, they're trying to express with their movies. Um and so he was he was really really influential in that idea and he he talked a lot about about Hitchcock as kind of the pure auteur director um and he probably was for the time but i think we can kind of see auteurs come from like they're they're modern examples of of like a pure auteur director um Kubrick you know he's not modern necessarily but Kubrick was an auteur. Um, someone like Christopher Nolan, I think, is is fairly auteur. And then I think David Fincher is probably the biggest 
working auteur director at the moment. Um, I would say he's like, he's the, the guy he's like the auteur right now. Um, and then people like Scorsese certainly are, um, people like, um, David Lynch. We just talked about David Lynch. He is very much an auteur director. Um, although working in different spheres, so it's, it's kind of different, but, um, yeah. So, so I guess in some ways, um, you know, in, in some ways you can see that in this film, right? You can see the auteur theory coming out, um, in that he's, it's not as obvious in terms of his his stylistic choices as someone like um, like Godard. You know, Godard is very very much into experimenting with film as his way of of like being the auteur. Um, with this, it's about his his life essentially, his story, his example of what he's trying to portray, um, and and I think that comes across in this movie. So. Um, yeah, so that's I guess that's all I I have to say about about the four hundred blows. But yeah, I think it's time to give it a rating, Cameron. Yeah, I would say. Well, hold on. We rate here at Cinema Spectator on a scale of for everyone, for casuals, for the curious, and for the cinephiles. This is a hard one, Cameron. I'd like to hear where you place it. I would say this is likely for either the curious or the cinephiles. And th- the reason why I say that is partly because it's it's not like a movie that I would I would just say like, oh, everybody needs to watch this. Because um, I don't think you do necessarily. Although I think there's... If you're looking, you're able to pick things from this movie. If you're, if you're looking and able to kind of... Um, I guess like I, I, you don't even the thing is you don't even really have to push that hard to get something out of this movie. It's just, it's like just if you're if you're interested in this this realm of telling stories. Um if you're interested in the how and the why of of telling stories through film. Um you're going to get something out of this movie, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to land it at for the curious because if you know a little bit about it and you're going in, you already have that curiosity. I I think you'll find something, right? I I just think maybe I I, I had a pea brain or, or I just wasn't connected with some I I really like I think the most positive thing I can say is that I wasn't down on the film. I think it's there is a lot of heart that is good in it, you know. I just yeah, like if you walk in excited to see something like this, you won't be let down, and you don't have to be some mustache twirling like cinephile that's be like, "Oh, this was oh, this is so perfect," you know. Uh, you can even hear from the director's perspective in writing in the paper, like he was kind of fed up with movies in general, but at least he has the ability to, you know, make it approachable maybe for their more direct local audience. Um, and, and even it translates overseas for someone who doesn't watch a ton of black and white movies spoken in a different language. Like I sat through it and I I thought it was fine. Like it was good. So yeah, I'd say, I would say it's for the curious. Yeah. Well, all right. I think that wraps up our conversation on the 400 blows. Cameron, do you want to give any sort of look ahead for people? Is the poll going to be up for them? Yeah, the poll will be up. Um, I haven't finalized what I'm going to put on it, but I think there's going to be some fun movies, um, some interesting movies, a couple more modern, um, you know, modern French films. So things that, you know, someone like Isaac might be interested in. Um, and next week we are going to be watching um, a, fu- a, ri- a fun movie. Uh, I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, this is a movie that I think we both can connect with because we both have kind of a disdain for um, for Jean-Luc Godard. Um, it's a movie that is making fun of him to no end. 
And it's one that I that I find really enjoyable. It's called Godard Bon Amour, or in French, Le Redoutable. Um, and uh, it, it came out in 2017. I didn't get to see it during Cannes, but it it was uh, it was shown in the year that I went to Cannes. So, um, so yeah, it's it's fun. It's kind of it's a little bit goofier uh, than the movies that we've watched. Um, maybe not as goofy as uh, <laughs> as uh, Playtime, but but in in a in a way, it's more of a straight comedy. So um, I think we'll have fun next week watching it together, um, and that'll be the commentary track for this month. All right. Awesome. Well, any thoughts of where they can stream that or find it? Uh, yeah, it'll be on um, Amazon Prime. You can rent it. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Awesome. Great. Well, uh, shout out to our executive producer, Darren O'Neill. Again, you can check us out at patreon.com slash ECFS productions and get some exclusive benefits. We love all you free listeners as well. We post here every Monday. Thank you for listening to Cinema Spectator. Give us a rating. It helps a ton, and we'll see you guys next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast executive produced by Darren O'Neill. If you want your name read in the credits of the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions to achieve this status. Thank you, Darren, for the support. And for the rest of you, we appreciate your support as well. Have a good one.